You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. All right, welcome back to another episode of NFT365, recording this live on the Twitter Spaces today, because it is actually right now, at this minute, via my MacBook official computer time, 2.22 on 2.222, or I guess it's 02022022, and for anyone that's been listening to all of the podcast episodes, well, first of all, I just say thank you. Uh, Second of all, I know that's a lot of me, so I, I appreciate that. Uh, and, you know, as we've been doing all these episodes, you know, I am, I've always been into numbers. It's always been, you know, and it's not really a superstition. It's more of like, uh, I, I believe it has a little bit to do with my neurodiversity, uh, being ADHD and finding ways to attach myself to certain things that will give me, you know, that dopamine hit that will also allow me to memorize things. I don't know how many others here, uh, you know, that listen to the, the podcast as well that, you know, sometimes will struggle in, you know, I was not a great student, uh, actually, that's the biggest understatement ever. I was a horrible student, uh, not because I didn't love school. I actually had perfect attendance in school. I loved going to school. I just wasn't great at class. And and for me, it was always about like, how do I keep myself motivated? How do, what things do I can I do to kind of stay on this you know on track? And then also like, how do I you know kind of connect myself to things? And I'm also as a, a diehard sports fan. You know, have you know the numbers growing up, like you know, especially in my house growing up. You know, Roberto Clemente's number jersey was always was something that my dad had. Uh, you know, had he had actually had it autographed, and it has you know it was hanging in our in our house, you know, right next to a, a Franco Harris jersey that you know I grew up looking at, and then uh, you know eventually some other jerseys like Bruce Smith and some uh, some people that we were uh, big fans of, and and I'll say like the numbers to me like play a little bit of that role, and so you know, funny enough with this podcast, you know, it, it's called NFT 365, right, for 365 days of the year. We of course launched on 11 11. 21. And I will say like, you know, uh, Drew, who is on uh, our team there with Mile 62, and you know, is just as much responsible for the success of this podcast as I am uh, on the front door side of it. You know, as we were talking about it, and I've shared this story before, but it connects with these numbers, right? The, you know, I, I, I like to kind of reverse engineer, but I also like to think back and like, you know, kind of like, how can we learn from some of the great, you know, decisions that we've made, uh, I think we, it's easy for us to kind of look back often at like the bad decisions, and this ties into NFTs, no doubt. And you know, I would argue for those that are listening here, you know, some of the best decisions that you will make in the NFT space is not buying an NFT or not minting an NFT or even not selling the NFT uh, when you felt like you wanted to or you needed to. And you know, I the fact that we kind of came up with this idea on November sixth, and five days later we launched it, and to me, like there's so much, you know, that that's exciting and kind of like thrilling. But like part of the reason was, was I liked the dates and I was like, you know, it's, it's gonna be an easy date for us to count down to next year. You know, we're going to sell the entire collection at 11, 11, 22, right? So we're buying an NFT every day. We're keeping them until November 11th uh, of this year, where we're going to sell the entire collection as a, as a mosaic collection. And, and, you know, it's funny because I, I wonder if like, if that event that we were coming back from, if we were on that train on November 12th, you know, do I say like, hey, let's just launch it on twelve twelve, uh, you know, in December, and with that much lead time, with that much time for me to overthink, you know, the the likelihood of this podcast existing is probably, uh, you know, <laughs> very very little. And so, you know, this, you know, when we think about numbers and we think about you know consistency, you know, my background, uh, and I know that so many new listeners and so many people that you know have mentioned like Brian, you don't you like you like talk about things in your background, but you've never really like highlighted it directly. But like for me, you know, I. I I never looked at myself as a math guy because I wasn't great in math classes, but I am really good at understanding 
trends. I'm very good at looking at data and understanding what it's telling me, but even more importantly, and this is an important takeaway from this episode, what it's not telling us. I think it's very easy for us to look at data um, from a holistic view or from a view of like, okay, you know, this data, you know, it's telling us this one thing, like, what does that actually mean? And I'm going to use an example here uh, in one second that I'll, I'll include the actual link to it in uh, the show notes, because it's actually from uh, the sponsor of this uh, a podcast, which I'll get in the sponsor read in a minute. But uh, my good buddy, uh, Joe, Joe tweeted out and I, I pinned it in the Twitter space for those that are listening and I'll put it in the in the, uh, you know, in here. But, you know, Joe tweeted out a, a, a chart and I think it's from uh, his LinkedIn. He did a LinkedIn survey and asked them, you know, what's your current NFT status? And 14 percent said, yes, they own one, at least one. 30 said uh, they don't own one, but they're considering it. And then 42 percent said no. And I have uh, never and I will never buy one. And then 14% uh, said that what is an NFT, right? And so like funny enough for me, when I look at that chart, it's very easy to look at like the data and the percentages, but the way that I, and it's actually how I replied to Joe, as I said, you know, what I read from that data is that 56% of people need to be educated on what, you know, what an NFT is without them realizing that we're talking about NFTs. <laughs> and, and I say that because when we think about data and numbers, it's very easy for us to get caught up in the vanity of it, right? And I think, I think we've been we've learned that a lot here in the social media age, right? Just because someone has a lot of followers, does not mean they're worthy, or they're a worth follow, or does not make them better than someone else. And in many cases, it does not make them more influential than others, right? I think there's like oftentimes that kind of weird assumption, and then we have to kind of recognize that you know, true influence is about being able to influence people to take action. It is not about like, you know, you might have a massive audience, but to, when you have influence, it's that you actually can, you, based on what you do, based on what you say, or based on even how you act in, in your you know, day-to-day, that, you know, you actually are influencing people to, you know, take action or make decisions. And I just want to give a shout out to this amazing NFT 365 community, because, Sometimes when you look at data and numbers and you see trends or you see things happen, you can say, oh, that's a coincidence. But it's not really a coincidence when I would say four of the the last guests that we had, that the day that the episode was recorded, within the day that was recorded on Twitter Spaces and posted onto Twitter, uh, posted as a podcast, those projects mooned. So much so that the other day, a couple days ago, uh, Fame Lady Squad, which, you know, such a great episode with Board Becky, um, when, you know, we did, the, we did the Twitter space the day before, we launched the episode that morning. And around noon that day, Fame Lady Squad hit their all-time high for their project, a project that launched in the summer of last year. And now I'm not directly taking credit for that, but there is something fun about the fact that that happened on that day. And then the the amount of volume that happened uh, for Crypto Chicks on the day that we had the Crypto Chicks uh, Twitter space, that was, you know, the highest volume they had had in 30 days was the day that we had the episode. And so I just have to say, you know, those that are are taking action that are you know leaning into some of the projects that we talk about, some of the, you know, different things that are going on here. Uh, kudos. Thank you. It kind of ties into this idea of like influence, right? Like it, it's great for me to you know say that we have, you know, now that we have 200,000 downloads and we're, we're top 25, you know, podcasts on Apple and Spotify, uh, you know, as of, as of February 1st, but you know, at the same time, it's like how many of those people are actually listening? And so that's where I want to tie this in first. And then I'm going to get into some of the data that is out there and the data that is available in, in the NFT space. But I think one of the things that we have to think about is like, you know, what data are we looking for? And we, the, one of the biggest mistakes that we are going to make is that we are going to build our like hypothesis or and I don't even like using that word because like, it makes me feel like I'm in fifth grade science class and that was not a class I was good at. So like we're going to build, you know, oftentimes we let the data that is available to us dictate the way that we are going to determine the success of something. Let me say that again. The value that is served up to us from a social media platform to podcast downloads to you know, website traffic to even NFT floor price, right? We sometimes, or I would even say sometimes, a lot of times, we will actually allow that data that is available. They're just like, okay, well, I, would, I want to have this, this, and this happen, but because I only have available you know, the, the floor data, I want to, I want to actually you know, sell this project when it gets to a, you know, a 1. You know, 1.1 floor price. 
And you know, the question we have to ask ourselves is like, is the floor price? What about the floor price itself as a data point? Is what you know is going to determine our you know our ability to sell or to um, to hold on to something, right? And I think in the NFT space, man, can this be a little bit overwhelming, right? Because what what can happen is that if you're just taking one solo data point, that data point can change every minute, every second in some cases, but it also can be influenced by things that we aren't even we aren't even tracking. And in some cases, if we're not understanding how these different data points are actually being influenced, you're going to fall for some things that are going to hurt. And what I mean by that is you're going to you're going to see that the floor price is rising on a project. And you're going to push your the price that you're selling the NFT for way up because you're like, hold on a second, I I need to delist this. This the floor price is going up. That means my like the value I have with the project is worth more. But then we have to take a, a step back and ask ourselves, well, what what is influencing the that floor price to go up? And is it the floor price that's going up, or is it the fact that you know the floor price didn't really go up? It just happens to be that the four NFTs that were for sale at the lowest price were all bought at the same time. And there really isn't momentum. There isn't a lot of volume going on. It just happens to be that one person scooped those four off of the floor. And just because the fifth you know, lowest priced uh, NFT was so much higher, it gives us a kind of like a false sense of some trends and a false sense of momentum. And that can happen in all kinds of different ways, right? It can be a Twitter space. It could be the fact that a celebrity you know, posted on Instagram that they are you know, you know, into the NFT, whatever that may be. And I will tell you, like podcast numbers are really good at this, right? Because, you know, podcast numbers, what we often get is we get the number of downloads. But as many people know that when you, you know, for most of these apps, you can just say automatically download the newest episode to my phone. And yes, the number of downloads is great. I'm you know, very thankful for those that are subscribing. But is that really my goal? Like when I tell a sponsor of the podcast or I think about, you know, what keeps me motivated here it's not how many people download the podcast, but how many people listen to it. And then I will tell you the number that I pay attention to in, in podcasting. And, and I will say that this is like one of my, my proudest elements of this podcast is that when I got some advice from some, uh, some of my friends that are in the podcast space that have been very successful, a couple of the things that they were telling me was like, Brian, well, if you're going to do a daily podcast, it needs to be um, very structured. It needs to be you know, very short in time frame. People are not going to want to listen very long to you, Brian, every day. And you're going to want to make sure that the topics are like asynchronous and you, you have things kind of like flowing so that you know people can jump in and out. But you're going to have to make it to where you're just covering the news or you're going to have to cover what is going on you know, in, that, in that moment. Well, I did not do that for this podcast because for me, part of it was like, you know what? I, I believe in creating this evergreen content and creating content that people that, you know, if you are listening to this episode today and it helps you in your journey to your, your buy your first NFT, six months from now, when your friend is going, says, hey, I want to jump into NFTs, I want you to be able to send them the same episode that helped you. And, I, and then, you know, that's kind of like a goal of mine. But I will tell you the 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 stat the stat that I actually like to track is not how many downloads, and it's not even how many like what they call engaged listeners, which is you know a funny number. Um, it's actually the average consumption, or how how long of an episode, how long into the episode do people average uh, listen to, right? And I think you know for for me knowing that I'm doing longer form content, knowing that I'm doing this every single day. Like, I don't blame people for getting to a part in the episode and say, hey, I, I learned enough, Brian, you talked fast enough, I'm moving on to whatever next. Like, that doesn't bother me. But like understanding like, hey, Brian, like, is this topic successful? Not because of how many downloads it got, but how many people are completing it. And I will tell you, a lot of our episodes are over 80% in consumption rate here on this podcast, right? 82%, 80%, 67%, 97%. Holy hell, 97%. What is that episode? I didn't see that. That's a 49-minute episode. When someone tells you that short content is everything and, uh, and you can't do long form anymore, remember what I always say. Maybe you don't know what I always say. This is what I always say. It's not that people don't have time for, uh, you know, for content or short, you know, they need short content or they don't have time for long form content. We just have no time for crappy content 
or for content that wastes our time or content that does not, you know, value and kind of keep things a little bit structured. So I say all of that because like for me as a podcaster, it is great to see some of these numbers and see some of the things, but I really look at the trends and say, Ooh, Brian, that interview, you know, that actually only got 51%, um, you know, average completion rate. And and this is how geeky I am is I will actually go into that episode and look at it around the 50% mark and ask myself, okay, Brian, what could I have done to be better as an interviewer? What could I have been done to shift the energy, to um, tease out what is coming out you know, further, right? Many of you that, that are listening right now, you noticed I already gave you clues on what's coming down the pipe. So if you're lit right now, you're like, okay, I'm excited for what's coming and you're kind of tuning me out now. I understand that, right? And that's all on the structure of how we create you know, podcasts and things that are in there. And the reason I use podcast data, the reason I use social media data, and really just you know data, you know data in our day to day lives, is because it's very easy for us to forget that when we are leveraging data that is available to us, the context of the data is essential to tell the story that we want to actually understand, because data without context is just a touch point and a number. Right. And, you know, we all saw a lot of the, you know, if anyone turned on the news for the last two and a half years, you saw these numbers on uh, coronavirus on the TV screen. Right. And, you know, early on, it would just tell us, you know, the number of deaths and then it would tell us the number of hospital visits. And then eventually they got to a point where they started driving down, you know, drilling down in that data and giving us a little bit you know, more context and information and saying, like, what's the percentage in this state? Right. Like, you know, it's it's scary to think like, wow, this many people, you know, and it's still scary. And I, I don't want to demean or you know, uh, lessen what's going on right now. And I know there's a lot of families and people that are, are still suffering through uh, COVID and, and I, you know, my thoughts are with them. But I just think that, you know, we have to kind of put that into perspective. Now, the other side of this that is different here in this beautiful, you know, decentralized blockchain world is the word decentralized. Because I think many of us learn what real decentralization, you know, means in this space, one of two ways. One of them is that you get um, rug pulled, um, you get, you know, something happens, and you lose your money or your NFTs, and you realize there's no 1-800 number to call because the only person that had your seed phrase was yourself. And you're like, oh, that's now I understand what this whole decentralized is. The other one is, let's say you're using MetaMask on your phone and MetaMask on your browser. If you are making a transaction on your phone, you go to your browser and you look at your MetaMask and you're like, why do I not see that transaction here in my activity history? Right? Like, what is, where, well, how does that, why don't I see it on both sides? Well, it is because that data and information is decentralized. There is not a centralized hub of that information sitting somewhere for us to kind of cross correlate to act, you know, update on both sides. And so one of the things that I think is important on this is that, you know, I'm going to touch on you know, the Ethereum side of the house right now, since, you know, it's kind of where we've been uh, spending a lot of our time. But, you know, there, recently there was a new marketplace that came to light, which is called Looks Rare, uh, L-O-O-K-S, Looks Rare. And so it is uh, an open sea competitor. It is, um, you know, it has a long way to go to be on the sheer amount of volume um, as OpenSea, but it was, you know, it is a competitor in kind of the same way that, you know, the uh, OpenSea marketplace is. And for those that aren't super familiar on really what, you know, OpenSea or these marketplaces facilitate, really, it is for no better example, it is an eBay or Amazon storefront for NFTs, right? The, the actual, you know, the ownership of the, you know, NFTs themselves are individuals, and they're mostly hosted on, you know, a blockchain um, that is attached to an individual that is then, you know, can be actually facilitated in transferring, selling and buying, uh, of course, and tracking within these different um, you know, marketplaces. But one of the things that I find very interesting is that, you know, we pay a lot of attention to the floor price here, um, you know, in the NFT world. And, and I, I've always been a little bit jaded about that, like concept. Um, I understand why. And I think it's, you know, it is uh, an important, um, you know, data point, because it does allow us to understand like, what is, what are, what is currently the lowest available, you know, purchase that has been made on this like NFT collection. But the thing that's really funny or interesting about this is, if you're not, if you don't realize this, the floor price that is in looks rare, and the floor price that is in open sea is not the same. Yep, let me say that again, right? So we're talking about the same data point, but what looks rare is telling you is they're telling you what is the floor price of those that are for sale in their marketplace, which is looks rare marketplace. 
If you open up OpenSea, OpenSea is going to tell you what is the floor price in their marketplace. Now, there are other tools, other marketplaces that kind of centralize that information, aka they pull off of like the API of OpenSea. So really, they're, they're using kind of OpenSea data. But this is a very important data variable for us to understand. Because if the only place that you're looking at a project is looks rare, in some cases, you could, you'll find a completely different uh, you know, data presented to you than you would if you were actually looking on OpenSea. And I, I've teased this out a couple of times, but I, you know, I started to use this as, to my advantage over the last week. And I've sold, I think, now nine NFTs on looks rare. Um, after not selling, I didn't post one for sale for a while because I wanted to study the data and the trends and understand some of the nuances over there. But one of the things that I realized was that that is an entry point for some people. And if someone is coming to looks rare and looking at a collection, what they're going to look at is they're going to look at is like, what is for sale on the looks rare platform? And what are those price points? And they're going to compare them. And so one of the things that I did in my testing was like, okay, if someone is, is going to look at this collection and they like this you know, property of an NFT, how many of this property of that NFT is for sale on OpenSea? And I looked at it and there was about 20 or so of that property for sale on OpenSea. And then I opened Looks Rare and I realized there was only one other with that property for sale on Looks Rare. So now when I'm pricing my NFT on Looks Rare for sale, I, and someone cares about that property, they're going to pull up two available sales. And of course, they're going to see what the other one's for sale for and then what mine is for sale for, right? And so these are all things for us to kind of factor in because it's very easy to someone say like, oh, this is the floor price or this is what's going on. Now, let's take that, that even a step further. I don't think the floor price, the floor price for projects that I'm not trying to just flip out of does not, bought, there's not something that I look at at all. It's not something that I track. It's not something that I care about. One of my favorite data points from a project, you know, uh, you know, virality and trend is the average price, right? I want to know the average price that that NFT collection is selling for, right? And, and that can really vary on some projects. In other projects, it can be almost identical to the floor price. It, it, you know, it really is going to be determined based on a, you know, a whole number of factors. But I will tell you, like, one of the projects that is, you know, popular right now, it minted out um, and it's called the Hype Bears, and I believe they're in the whitelist today. They're on a public sale tomorrow, um, but it's a massively hype project. Right now, the floor price is 1.3 ETH, but the average price is 1.429. So not too much of a variance there, but definitely, you know, it's you know, it's another 0.129 um, higher as far as the average uh, sale of those NFTs. Now that one's a little different because they haven't revealed the art yet. But if we look at ones that have you know already revealed the art. One of the things that you'll notice is, hey, there's some really you know cheap ones for sale right now, but the average, uh, you know, the average price that is being sold right now is twice as high, three as times as high, and so these are things that you're going to want to weigh in because one of the things that I've noticed in the NFT space is that you know the idea of a diamond hands versus a paper hands, right? Paper hands is someone that is holding onto an NFT because they they hey for whatever the reasons, but then. There, as it you know, it gains in price, and then all of a sudden it starts to go the other direction. They start to get very nervous about will that price ever go back, and I better sell now before it bottoms out, right? And that, like that, you kind of paper hand, uh, you know, the and the you know, the NFT itself. And I always picture it kind of like a wet paper, wet bag at the grocery store and you're paper handing it because you're just going to let it kind of, you're going to get rid of it or you're going to let it go probably before you you really wanted to. And the reason I think all this data and numbers and all the things I'm sharing, it might sound a little overwhelming, but the reason I, I think all of this context is important is that for the most part, people are looking at one data point Yet each NFT that they're holding, they're they're valuing it differently, right? Like there are NFTs in my bag right now that I don't care what the floor price is because I have zero I have zero idea of selling it the next three months. I do care on what is the average floor price and what is or what is the average price for sale and what is the volume of trading because I want to see how the momentum of the project is going, right? And so I can look at you know volume of trades in the last two hours and I can tell you how much volume, how many, you know, how, what are the, the trades that are happening? But then you also have to look at it and say, is that the is that data enough for me to understand what's going on? Like what is the what is the market cap of that project, right? And then even taking it a step further and, and asking yourself, okay, what is the total number of sales? And, and you know, there, there's a lot of the different data points that exist. Now I will tell you, I stay away from the tool discussion. And I will tell you, I know that doing this episode right now, 
that I'm going to have a lot of people that are going to message me and disagree. And here's the thing. You're probably right. You, what, what your hypothesis is, what you've determined in the way that you look at that data is probably correct because it's correct for you, right? And I think that's such an important aspect here. And I'm not going to claim that I, that I am one that knows all the data for all the things. But when we're looking at, at things and making decisions, there are different, there's different ways to look at the data and you don't even have to have a tool, right? Like uh, IC tools is the tools that, one of my favorite tools, I do pay for their, their premium service. I have no you know, skin in the game if you're using them or not because uh, they don't, they're, they're so new. They don't have an affiliate program or anything yet, but like even in OpenSea, that's, you know, thinking about OpenSea, you can go into the stats and then you can look at the top NFTs and then you can look at like, okay, what's the, you know, percentage growth over the last 24 hours. So that's like one of the things that I like to do. I like to actually sort the, the top list based on the last 24 hours. What is the growth? Now here's the interesting part on that. If you do that and you're like, wow, this project is, 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 is popping off. I'm going to need to jump in on it. Well, now you have to ask yourself like, wait, how long has that growth been happening? Are you going to end up buying it at the top? Because just because you see that it's been growing 800% in the last 24 hours, how do you know what the last hour looks like, right? Like it's, we probably don't, right? Like how do you, what were, what were the seven days beforehand? Because this is one of those things where like, I will actually look at like, Hey, what, you know, if I want to check the NFTs that I already have that I'm like, Oh, I wonder if any of my NFTs are doing well today. I'll look at that, you know, 24 hour you know, percentage growth. But then if I'm like, you know what, there's a couple projects that are on my radar that I've been thinking about buying. I wonder how they're doing. I'm going to want their percentage growth to be going the other direction, right? Like I'm going to look at ones that are going down for the most part. Now, depending on how far they're going down or why they're going down, you're going to want to understand that. But I'm going to be like, you know, like the Girlies NFT. I just pulled this up right now. Girlies NFT is a project I've mentioned, I think, that every episode since I discovered it. It is a daddy-daughter combo. She is a 14-year-old artist. I think her art is beautiful. I think the story is beautiful. I think the idea that they weren't prepared for all of this kind of uh, attention and fame and, and uh, community, and, and they're working to build it up. But in the la- if I'm looking at this data point on OpenSea, which everyone has access to, in the last 24 hours, they're down 32.7%. And the current floor price is 0.25. And that to me is such an, you know, it's an interesting uh, project because I believe that project, I'm going to hold on to that project for a long while. I have three of them for my three daughters. um, And it's a project that like the floor price going down doesn't really bother me. It actually, when I see that it's down 32%, the question I ask myself is, ooh, do I need a fourth? Right. And so that's something to kind of factor in. The other data that NFT, uh, that uh, OpenSea provides, and and I think it's important too, because there's a difference between day trading flipping and what data they're looking at versus those that are you know, kind of paper handing like, hey, I'm holding on to this, but I want to make some money versus those that are diamond hands that are like, hey, I'm holding this on for life. And one of them is owners, individual owners. Now, this is a data point I don't really hear being discussed very often. Um, and I think part of that reason is because like what we what we pride ourselves in and then what really moves the needle um, in the secondary market is are kind of two different things. And I think we kind of we, we try to wrap our head around um, that data. And what I mean by that is a lot of the projects that have um, high individual owners numbers uh, and you know one of my personal favorites and, and you know one of the is like super close to my heart is the crypto dads uh, crypto dads the has the fifth most uh, you know uh, individual holders of a 10,000 uh, collection actually I believe they have the third most of a 10,000 collection is they have 7,629 individual owners of crypto dads and so there is 10,000 total but if you think about that so on average you know the average person you know is only holding one of those right? That's a very high average. But with that in mind, what does that mean for us in the NFT space? Well, usually what that means is if if there's a high individual ownership, there's a lot less likelihood that you're going to sell it. I for, I for one can tell you that, that I have, I have two crypto dads, but there is one crypto dad of mine that is in my hardware wallet that will not be sold. It is, I am diamond handsing that until, you know, probably until the NFTs don't exist anymore. And and so one, like, when you're looking at some of these data, it's like high owner count to me means, okay, there's not a lot of whales in there. There's not a lot of bots that kind of operated it. There's a lot of pride and like individual owners. But that also means there's a lot of people that probably aren't selling or trading. So there's not a lot of volume or volatility kind of in that you know, marketplace and in, you know, in that actual collection. And so that's some data that you can you know, kind, of, you know, kind of be served up to you. And all of that stuff is available at OpenSea. 
Now, my favorite rarity tool also has um, you know some data in their collection side where I just wanted to kind of share. And it's rarity.tools is the one that I, I really like their their tool itself. Uh, you know, all the rarity tool solutions, I believe, you know, they have a pluses and minuses. You can you can, you know, rarity sniffer, rarity sniper. There's lots of ones that are out there. Um, it really just depends on what, you know, your type of interface that you like or whatever that may be. But if you go to the homepage on rarity.tools and you scroll to the bottom, you can actually look at all collections. And it's going to tell you what's the seven day trade volume, what are the the seven day sales, total number of sales in seven days. It's going to tell you, you know, uh, the average price over the last seven days, the total number of supply, the number of individual owners, you know, what that percentage owners is. Uh, and of course, kind of the um, estimated market cap of the, of that actual project. And the reason I, I use that one on the rarity tool side here is that, you know, it's also interesting when we're looking at projects, if you're buying and, and here's like some hard truth. If you're buying NFTs because of a certain NFT, because you want a rare version, right? So you're looking for one that has a high rarity, right? You're like, I want one that's in the top 100 for rarity. And then you're also monitoring the floor price. Your data is a little messed up. Because if you care about the rarity of, if, if you bought that NFT because it is very rare, what is being sold at the lowest possible price in many ways has might not have any effect on how much your rare you know nft is actually worth or what it could actually garner on the market at that time and i will tell you i've seen multiple friends sell their nft based on the they bought it because of the it was very rare and they believed they could get more a higher price than the floor price was you know when they bought it for right so they bought it 50 percent above the floor price but then as it gained in steam and the floor price now is like double what they bought it for, all of a sudden the floor price goes down a little bit and they sell it for 5% above or 10% above the floor price. And you see what I mean by that? We're seeing how it kind of variants. And so one of the things that I like to track is like, you know, and I, I see, you know, Drew is, is uh, you know, here in the audience as well for the Twitter space, but he's also, you know, on my team and, you know, he has a hockey mask uh, for the in-betweeners. So that's one of the properties that I really like on the in-betweeners project. And so rather than caring about the floor price itself for the NFT collection as a whole, what we should be looking at is what are, what's the floor price of that property trait, right? So if, if we clicked into OpenSea and then we said, you know, selected buy now, and then we sorted by the hockey mask uh, characteristic, now I'm going to see, hey, if I was selling this hockey mask, uh, you know, in-betweener, this is what that, you know, was, this is around what the price is that I believe I could get it for. And I think all of these things are pretty interesting because, you know, it'll it'll determine it and kind of um, factor in to your ability to sell, your ability to kind of understand the trends. And I will tell you, one of the things that I've I've realized is that, you know, if a project is one that I lose faith in or maybe I'm no longer active in or I, I go from loving it to deciding, you know what, I'm going to flip out of it now. I've made my return. You know, part of that is you have to ask yourself, like, do I want to hold out for a long period of time to get like what I believe this is worth? Or am I okay with selling it for less of a percentage above the floor price just so that I can get rid of it at this like kind of current price point? And these are all things that kind of come into kind of factoring what's going on. And, and, I, and I say all of this, but I want to add this context real quickly. I am not an expert in finance. I am not an expert in, um, you know, in cryptocurrency, uh, you know, trend mapping. I am not an expert in uh, economy. I'm not an expert. You know, like my, my, the way that I look at things is I look at things very much from the standpoint of I want to know what's happening. I want to know what has happened in the past. I'm a big fan of reverse engineering trends, right? So I spend a lot of times in projects that are right now that are very high that I'm not planning on purchasing myself. But I will tell you, I can tell you a lot of the trends in projects. Like one of them, Zipsy's Super uh, Super Normal, which is a project that has been mooning lately. It's been, you know, has re crazy growth. It minted, uh, I think, less than a week ago. It's up over the uh, five floor price, right? I, like one of the things like I want to do is I want to understand, okay, you know, other than the fact that it's an, a very you know world famous artist um, and great you know collection and had some momentum. Like, what about that collection has allowed it to grow that fast, right? And so I like to look at that data. And I and the nice part about the block chain is you can really drill down and track data as far wide and as far um, as you so choose. But there are all these kind of like different, you know, points that we're going to have to kind of like evaluate ourselves. Now, 
Uh, on a previous episode, I did mention a couple other tools that are out there that I think are pretty neat uh, as far as giving us some new data into NFTs. Uh, one of them is called Moby.gg. So Moby.gg. And all of these tools, I'm paying for the premium. I don't have any connection. So you know, I'm very transparent. If there is a tool or a product or a service that is giving me uh, something, I will make sure that you know to declare that uh, ahead of time. But Moby.gg, you know, they have some live feeds that kind of allow you to see you know, what are the projects that are minting right now? What are the projects that are um, right, you know, what are the what are the projects that have uh, the most current growth over a certain you know framework of time? And there's you know some interesting pieces of data where they're actually tracking uh, whales' wallets, so you can actually see like how many whales are buying into uh, a certain project, which really just means like how many bulk uh, purchases are happening, where one wallet has forty or fifty or sixty uh, of those NFTs inside of it. And you know, there's some you know, and I and I like the you know kind of the trend mapping, right? Like you know, it's one thing to look at a floor price; it's another thing to look at like what has that floor price done in the last 24 hours? What has it done in the last uh, you know seven days? And then also kind of looking at it and saying like, what are the you know the other factors, right? And one of the other factors could be gas prices or even the price of Ethereum or a price of whichever you know crypto is tied to that NFT collection. And so these are all things that kind of really you want to kind of like look at because. Uh, even last night, as I was I was helping a friend, uh, you know, buy an NFT, and he was coming in at a, a much higher price point than I ever came into the market in, and you know he he approached me, you know, as we were having the you know phone call, and I I shared him some data, I let him see what I was looking at as far as you know in the couple tools that I use, and one of the things that he said was, ooh, like he's like, look at that. Um, you know, if you look, the floor price has gone down recently, uh, you know, because you looked at, if you look at the, the trend over the last 24 hours, like, hey, the last 24 hours, it's definitely um, trending down. But, you know, in his, you know, his view, he's like, but if you look at the last hour of data, it's even down even or it's even it's kind of leveled itself out. Like there's not many there's not much volume right now. So I think it's the bottom. It's, we've hit the rock bottom. And I laughed and he's like, why are you laughing? I was like, um, gas right now is uh, 500 plus. And he's like, well, what does that have to do with it? I was like, well, volume has a good chance of volume being down because many of us don't like paying $300, $400 to list our NFT or to you know, make a transaction. And so the volume might be down not because the project is, is hit bottom or to, try to kind of mellow out. It actually might be down because of the gas prices being so high. And as soon as the gas prices you know, kind of come back down to reality, which even right now as we're recording this are a little bit high at the moment, um, you know, then that, that might actually completely change and it might go down further because there might be more people that are listing. And so these are all kind of like the things that we have to factor in. And, and I know for, you know, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like a lot, but I, I just hope what I, what I'm going to challenge everybody to, to look at here is, you know, look at the individual NFT that you're, you're, you're researching and don't look at it as every NFT in your bag is the same. And also recognize like what, what are the things that you should care about and what are the other things that you're just going to let play out, right? Because there are a couple projects that we've mentioned them here on the on the podcast many times, right? Like we minted out um, Alpha Girl on the day that Alpha Girl um, w- w- Mint was released uh, back in November, and when we bought that on the Mint, um, the next like if you looked at the volume, it was way down. There was not much trending, you know, volume to it. The floor price had gone down. But for me, I didn't care about that one bit. I knew that we were holding it till November 11th, but I also knew that my research, I believed that once this project got attention, that it would start to, the price would go up. It would sell out. It would start, people would start to see the, the value that they're providing. And so that's a lot of things that you want to kind of like look at, in, you know, overall, you know, the things that are going on in your projects. And I think the mistakes that we can make in this space is that we can assume that some of the data um, is correlated across like our NFT collection, right? And so for me, that that is also something you have to recognize into you know overarching trends. And I think overarching trends really you have to start studying collections as a whole. You're also going to want to start understanding like the creators and, and what's you know out there. Like what are what are some of the trends we see when the art is revealed versus you know what are the trends when a project sells out. Uh, in the first 24 hours, and then you know they're not revealing for seven days. Well, we we know for the most part, the trend is the the floor price will increase as the art reveal day comes, and then once the art reveal day either is on that day or it's a couple hours away from the day, the floor price will start to dip a little bit. And then, of course, once the art is revealed, you're going to see a dip and a leveling out as people kind of, um, kind of, you know, especially those that are that have more than one NFT. Uh, you know, a lot of us buy, you know, three NFTs. We buy one 
that we hopefully will get one that's a rare one we can hold on for a while, one that we can sell pretty early just to try to cover the cost of the other two, you know, and then one that we can, you know, kind of get out when we when we think it's a, a good place to get out or in some cases, you know, flip up and, and get into a, you know, a higher, maybe more rare um, NFT. But all of that is, you know, understanding some of these like overarching trends. And, and I think, you know, understanding the trends is all about, you know, kind of surrounding yourself with people um, in a way. And, and I, I love that in our Discord, you know, shout out to so many great people in our Discord, you know, Josh, uh, Decrypt, uh, we have Kevin over there, we have uh, Nix, uh, Native to Crypto, I'm just giving a lot of shout outs to a lot of you, you know, Vicky, uh, Dan, uh, a lot of you great humans over there that are, you know, you're sharing what trends you're seeing. You know, I'm sharing what trends I'm seeing. And then based on us all kind of sharing, like, hey, I did this research, I see this, or hey, this type of art has worked better. You know, all of that together allows us to better understand even the data um, that we're looking at. And so that also kind of you know plays perfectly on why you should probably be in Phoenix, Arizona on May 2nd of this year. So May 2nd of this year in Phoenix, Arizona, it'll be the first ever Creator Economy Expo known as CEX. And CEX uh, is an event that I will be there. I'm excited to be a part of. And they actually have uh, NFTs that you can purchase. One of the first 100. They only have 100 of these never-ending tickets. And it not only gets you admission to that event on May 2nd, but also gets you lifetime VIP access to all of the events moving forward. So definitely want to check that out. It is mint.cex.events. And if you want to get $200 off, just use code NFT. 365. Really looking forward to that event. Uh, also, you know, for me, like part of the beauty of events is not only taking these relationships offline, but also kind of getting to know, you know, other aspects of us as humans, right? Like, and, and kind of changing the dynamic. Cause I will tell you, you know, this is another data point and it's not actually a number. And I think it's one that I think we have to kind of recognize as well is that, you know, just on based on someone, what they share, you know, the data that they share on Twitter, just based on like what they're talking about in Discord, often will kind of sometimes show us different data when they open the mic on Twitter spaces or they're sharing on video or we meet them in person uh, at a networking event. And I will tell you that's a, you know, that's data that we also want to make sure that we factor in. And, and we also want to re- remember that, you know, data can be very easily manipulated or can be positioned in a way that can oftentimes, you know, manipulate us without us realizing what's happening, right? And what one of those examples is I've called this out a lot, and I think it's a very shady practice that I see still happening on Twitter Spaces way too often, is that people will will get in and they will not they you know I'm all for hyping your project, I'm all for talking about you know um, what your favorite rarity traits are, I'm all for talking about you know why you love the NFT that you have in your bag. But when we see people going in there and saying, I can't believe that this NFT is still for sale, um, you know, it's 0.84, I can't believe it's for sale, that's easily a three ETH, you know, NFT, I can't believe that, someone needs to scoop that up. One of the data points that you need to ask yourself is, if that person's like, giving you that advice and is such an expert, why aren't they scooping it up? Like, you know, like let's, let's be real, like, we act, I mean, like, I, I hope that a lot more, you know, a lot of people aren't super selfish. I, I'm a big believer and we are greater than me. But we have to factor in the data point of where are we getting that information from? And that to me is probably the hardest aspect of this whole NFT world is understanding where are we getting the data? Where are we getting the numbers? What are the numbers that matter to us? And I also believe in not you know, shaming those that are flipping or trying to make a quick dollar. I believe if that is the way that you are approaching your NFTs, that you are more than welcome to do so. You are also someone that adds massive value to uh, most communities because let's remember, if people are buying and selling a lot, most projects have that residual uh, you know, percentage that goes back to the collection. And so if a collection is buying and selling a lot, guess what? That creator, that founder, that artist is going to reap the benefits of that because they're going to get a, you know, a percentage, 5%, 6%, 7%, up to 10% in some cases of, that, you know, of those sales. And so in some cases, you know, the greatest thing that can happen to a project is that there are a, a percentage of people that are flipping in and out while there also is a percentage of people that are holding and valuing it, while there's also a percentage of people that want to kind of build their bag or have multiples of of that NFT. And so I really think it's important for us to factor in a lot of these different variables and recognize that, you know, one data point is not enough. Understanding and doing the research, making sure that if you're getting the data from someone, 
that, you know, what do you know about that person, right? If the person is, is known because, you know, you know, I, I, I've heard this the other last night, actually, someone said like, you know what I have, you know, he, he said, um, on, on a Twitter space, he said, I have a hundred ETH liquid right now. You know, I'm splashing around. I'm looking for, you know, great buys about 30 minutes later, he made that call and he's like, I can't believe this NFT is so undervalued in this collection. How is nobody in this room buying it yet? You guys will make so much money buying it. And for me listening to that, it, it, it made me sick to my stomach a little bit because it was like, we just heard that person literally just gave us the, their, what their blue plan is. So they're either full of crap on the fact that they have 100 ETH you know, liquid in their bag or they're full of crap on their own strategy or more than likely, they're just trying to pump that project and they're full of crap on saying that that, that, that NFT is worth you know, or going to go wherever, it, quote unquote, they think it's going to go because if it was they're probably going to buy it themselves or they're probably going to post in their private discord to help their friends buy it. Or they're going to, you know, they're going to favorite it and hope it's available for tomorrow whenever they can have it as well. And so I say all of that because context is such an important aspect in data because it, it allows us to paint the actual story of the information and the things at our disposal. And, you know, the last thing I want to kind of pull this back to what I started this podcast off with, and it is this idea of, we have to really understand the data, like the, the picture data is telling us and the context along with a story and how all of that is kind of factoring in. We also have to recognize that, you know, watching things go up and down in value can be a very high stressor on our mental health. It can be, uh, it can be wear and tear that we are not prepared for or that we all of a sudden are feeling more stressed out. We are feeling more anxiety, more depressed. Maybe we're feeling more alone. We have to start asking ourselves, like, hey, what data should I be monitoring? How often should I be checking in on something? And I'm just going to be truthful. I had to do that myself on the podcast. I, I got to a point, you know, in about three weeks ago where these numbers of our downloads and where we were on the charts were higher than I could have, um, I would have guessed without question. And so know what I was doing three days, a w- three times a day was going to that analytics site and hitting refresh to look at like, what did, what did people, what did people download? How many, oh, they didn't, that's not like this episode. And I don't even know. It's, I'm looking at one data point, but I noticed it was starting to really affect my mood, my energy. And I, I started to like question things because I was like, oh man, that I looked last night before I went to bed and you know, the yesterday's episode is, is not on the same growth pattern as the, the day before. But yet, you know, like we just have to recognize like where that data is coming in. And, and the funny part is for me, like I didn't expect this to be where we are right now, but I ultimately wasn't putting a number on this whole podcast to begin with. I wanted to educate people and bring people on this journey with us, and I wanted to do it every day for a year. And you know, what does season two look like? I have no, like, no idea. But we're going to make it to November 11th of this year. And so if, do those numbers matter day over day, Brian? They do not. Do they matter like week over week? Probably because I want to know if there's certain topics that people seem to listen to the entire uh, episode. Well, maybe that that I can I can expand on that episode, or maybe there's other episodes where people drowned off fifty percent in, but I know that the end of that episode was massively valuable. So maybe I'll do another episode just on that that end point. But I say all of that because we just have to be very careful on the data that we monitor, the data that we care about, how much we allow that data to influence, you know, our decisions and and how we kind of operate. And, you know, and most importantly, you know, we we joke, you know, a lot, but, you know, do your own damn research, you know, is our hashtag here, right? You know, D-Y-O-D-R. And we added the damn just so, you know, a little bit of emphasis on the uh, on that that statement. And I just want to I just want to say for all those that are out here, like, you know, if you are a creator, you're launching a project, it can be very um, disheartening if the numbers aren't where you believe they are. But then I ask you to look at the numbers and say, who are the people that are in your project that bought their first NFT? Like they bet the farm, they took their, the one of the riskiest things. Anyone that's bought a first NFT knows that feeling, that like overwhelming excitement, but also like your stomach's sick and you're like, you're not sure what I did and like, was it worth that money? And so we have to look, take a step back sometimes and like strip away the, the numbers and start thinking about like the humans and the conversations and the, the impact that we make. Because for me, like I, I've said this a lot, you know, all the messages that I get, I mean, I'm getting so many messages a day and I'm behind on, on DMs on both Twitter and Instagram right now. So I, if you've DM me, I promise I will get to it. It is just a little bit overwhelming. But, you know, those DMs, 
That's the data that empowers me to be motivated and inspired and excited about doing another episode or a second episode of the day. Or like today will be a three episode day where I'm recording three episodes because this weekend I will uh, I will have my daughters and we have some things planned where I'm not going to be able to record one you know live on that day. So I'm going to record one you know ahead of time. And so I just think you know it's important. I love data more probably more so than anyone you'll ever meet. But funny enough, I don't love talking about it on big stages or on uh, podcasts or even on Twitter spaces, only because people oftentimes add their own bias or their own like own individual like strategy and approach. And I just want to say to all of those that are doing that, like have your own methodology, have your own you know approach. You know, be willing to listen and learn to others. But at the same time, you know, it's okay that we're we both can look at the the floor price and I can say I don't like looking at the floor price. And you could say, Brian, I use the floor price to make my decisions and I make millions of dollars. You know what? I would love to know how you're doing that, because I'm not opposed to making millions of dollars. But I also know that like, hey, maybe we don't have that same time or that same, you know, attention to pay to some of these different things. So with that being said, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in on 2222. Uh, and as I teased out earlier, uh, tomorrow's episode, I'm really excited about because it was, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. We're going to go in the way back machine for tomorrow's episode, the way back machine. And that's way back to, uh, yeah, October th- or August 3rd, which is six months ago when uh, I kind of jumped into this journey, you know, two feet forward. And uh, little did I know. That some blazed cat, yep, that's the name of the NFT, blazed cat, was going to take me on this journey, and I'm beyond thankful it did. And you'll hear all about that journey, some of the good things, some of the bad things I've done, some of the projects that I wish I didn't have in my bag, but I'd have in my bag, uh, and also bring in a couple of the questions that I have from the Discord. So, uh, as always, just remember this podcast is super powered by the ADHD coin over at Rally. If you want to support the show, come along on the journey, maybe jump in the Discord and get some of the rewards that we give away uh, there in the Discord. Uh, Just go over to ADHDcoin.com. Make sure you create an account. And guess what? If you lasted this long, I'm actually giving away three ADHD coin to all new account holders that don't have account already. So if you already have an account, don't create a second email account. We're smarter than that. We will figure that out. But if you have not created an account over on Rally yet and you want to take advantage of this three ADHD coin, just go over to, you can go to ADHDcoin.com and you're going to want to create a new account a new account. You're, you're going to put in your email. You're going to confirm your email, and then you're going to go in and you're going to you're going to connect your Discord to that Rally um, uh, account, and then jump into our Discord, and you'll see in the announcements uh, there's one other step that you have to do, and then between now and February 14th, I'm going to share the love. You see what I did there? Hey, what's love got to do with it? Well. It's because, you know, we're going to do it between now and Valentine's Day. So if you sign up for an account on Rally with ADHD, I'm going to give you three ADHD coin. Right now, they're valued right around $7 a piece. So, hey, that's $21 to start you on the creator coin uh, journey. And I will also say for all those you know creators and those that are supporting, uh, having 11 coin or more uh, in your wallet will be definitely something you want to uh, make sure that you have happened. But hopefully some of you will jump in there. I do believe Creator Coins is another great uh, access point, entry point into this Web3 world. It's also something great for me because we get to actually you know, give away the coins to those in our community um, and also be able to you know kind of grow together. Those that have been holding the coin since uh, March of last year, you know, it started off at a dollar, you know, I think dollar thirty four. And, you know, we went up over $10 about a month ago, and now we're right hovering around that $7 mark at the moment. Um, you know, there's lots of lots of fun, lots of ways that we can play in there. So, yeah, take advantage of the of this uh, promo if you can, if you're listening before February 14th. If you've made it this far in the episode and it's after February 14th, jump in the Discord, follow those same instructions, but send me a DM, and I'll try to take care of you as well. Till tomorrow, my friends, make it a great one. Cheers. <laughs>